Good morning, everybody. My name is Jacob Parnell, and I am one of the ministers here at the Tri-Valley Church of Christ, or the Tri-Valley Babylonian Temple of whatever it is going on this weekend. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you may go ahead and make your way to Daniel 6 now. We're going to read all of that chapter together in just a moment. As has been mentioned, the conference is been has been focused on the book of Daniel and the theme of fearless, being fearless and faithful in a context and an environment that may not be hospitable to faith or uh, to the God of Israel. So we're going to continue on this theme of fearless as we look at Daniel chapter 6. Daniel and his friends live fearlessly and faithfully as exiles in Babylon, despite a lot of obstacles that they had thrown at them. And that's what we've challenged the participants of the conference this weekend to do as well. A little bit of historical background before we get into Daniel chapter 6. The Israelites were conquered. You remember the, the history of the Israelites? Freed from slavery, Moses, let my people go. Uh, then into the time of the conquest, the judges, the promised land, leadership was kind of uh, uncertain. There was like some successes and then kind of like up one step and then down two steps and things just sort of spiraled down. And then to the time of the kings, Israel said, hey, we need kings. This will make, solve all of our problems. And God said, it's not going to solve all your problems. I'm your king. Treat me like your king. And they said, nah, but we want a king. And they, they said, all right, we'll see what happens. And what happened was for every five kings, you get maybe one good king and the rest of them are bad and they worship idols and they get closer and closer and closer to this, which is where they ended up. They ended up in a foreign land, in a pagan place that did not honor or respect the one true God. They were kind of heading that direction anyway. But then they were officially conquered, carried away into exile. They lost their land, and now what do we do? People like Daniel were brought to Babylon, and they were given responsibilities. They were taught the Babylonian ways. They were given new names that reflected the pagan deities of Babylon at the time. And Daniel is cool. And the reason he's in the Bible and the reason that we have his story and the reason this conference is themed on this book is because Daniel was faithful in that environment. Faithful to God, but then also faithful to the work that he was assigned to do. And that's what we're going to be focusing on a little bit this morning. So let's read together Daniel chapter 6, the story of Daniel and the lie, 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 lie. But uh, to go along with this, I'm not going to put the scripture on the screen like I sometimes do. So you're welcome to just listen along or you can read along. There's a story in your Bible, but I'll have some images that go along with what we're reading about, some uh, photographs that were taken at the time. Uh, this is <laughs> Daniel chapter 6. We're going to start right at the beginning. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. And now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. Hmm. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, 
issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree into writing. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king, and they spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. And then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and to make every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no decree or edict that the king issued can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating, without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? And Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God has sent an angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed, and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in God. And at the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and they crushed all their bones. Yikes. Okay. We don't have a picture of that. That's probably for the best. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of, in every language of all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and during the reign of Cyrus the Persian. It's a good story, right? It's memorable. It's exciting. This man of faith who is set up by these guys around him, they're jealous. It ends, or he ends up among the, the, the lions, and he comes out unscathed. They didn't touch him. Nope, they didn't try to eat him at all. And in the end of the story, you kind of get this double switcheroo. Turn to the person next to you and say, double switcheroo. And just so the other person on the other side of you doesn't feel left out, turn to them and say, double switcheroo. 
the double switcheroo is this. The guys who tried to set up Daniel, they get thrown to the lions instead of him. That's the single switcheroo. The double switcheroo part is that the God of Israel is praised instead of Darius. This is an exciting story with a cool ending. And it's very relatable. The reason that we've held on to this story, the reason that you can spend time in this is because you can relate to Daniel. I'm sure many of you have had times in your life where you felt like Daniel, where you're surrounded by people who are trying to set you up, or where you are in the midst of a scary situation where things could devour you at any moment and you just have to live by faith, trust in God. And maybe, like Daniel, you have felt unsupported by somebody who was supposed to have your back. There's a lot of different directions you can go with this story. We read this and go, like, yeah, that, that sounds like my life and my experience. But this morning, I want to point out just one way in which we all have the opportunity to be like Daniel. And it comes to us at the beginning of the story. With all the excitement about lions and bones being crushed, we may have missed it. Uh, so let's go back to the beginning. The first couple of verses of this story are not all that exciting. It sort of just sets the stage for the story, and it sort of reads kind of like a, like a business roster or a seating chart or something like that. There were 120 satraps that were appointed throughout the nations, and there were three administrators that were over them, and these guys took care of these guys, and these guys were overseeing these guys, and Daniel was one of these administrators, and his office is up there on the third floor, and oh, by the way, the HR department is down the hallway, and Fridays are casual, so you can wear jeans to the office if you want to. And you're like, all right, let's, let's get on with this. And then you get to verse 3, and you get Daniel's faithfulness. This thing that we really want you guys to see, because this is something worth aspiring to. Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And at this, the administrators and satraps tried to find grounds for charges against him uh, in his conduct of government affairs. They tried to dig up dirt on Daniel, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and not corrupt or negligent. Man, Basically, Daniel is good at his job. And I want to just zoom in on that simple faithfulness for a moment. This is impressive when you think about the context that Daniel finds himself in. He is working in the land of his enemies for the guys that drove his people from their home and took him captive. And he still does a good job. He works well. He does his job so well and so faithfully that he is put in charge. And notice something else about this story that was mentioned a little bit earlier, if you caught it. Uh, if you read through the book of Daniel, you'll notice that the names of the kings change. In the story here, he's, he's interacting with a guy named King Darius. But as you West Coast Girls Conference participants know, in Daniel's chapter 1 and 2, there's a different king. What's his name? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. They were paying attention. I love it. And then in chapter 5, he's interacting with some guy named, named Belshazzar. And you're like, okay, who's the king? Is it Nebuchadnezzar? Is it Belshazzar? Darius? The answer is yes. And something that you sometimes forget is that Daniel was faithful throughout his life. Most of his life lived in Babylon, in the place where his God was not honored. The kings changed, but Daniel continued to be faithful and was continued to have responsibilities there. He did his job well. When you think about this, you realize what Daniel was doing was a grind. It was day after day, just showing up and doing what was expected of him being faithful one day, and then the next day, and then the next week, and then the next year. He was consistent, and he was faithful. 
We read these stories and we sometimes think, man, he was exciting. He got taken away from his homeland. Now he's in Babylon and there's this thing with the lions and he's interpreting dreams and then the thing with the fruits and the vegetables. This all didn't happen in one week. These were kind of moments where he was tested, where his faithfulness had the opportunity to prove itself. Uh, Babylon was Daniel's mission field and it was tough soil, but Daniel proved faithful in that environment. As we read that story, as we consider these details about Daniel, I wonder what does this mean for us? What does it look like for us to treat our everyday environments as mission fields? And as I was thinking about it this week, I came up with two things that I want to send you away with, and I hope that you remember them. The two things kind of work together. It's kind of the answer to the question, how can we be like Daniel in our situations? Thing number one is head down. Everybody, I want you to do the hand motions with me. They're so important, they have hand motions so that they'll stick to your brain. Head down is this. Head down. Everybody do that. And you got to say it while you do it. Ready? Head down. That's good. That's number one. Head down. Number two, speak up. Try that. Okay, put them together. Head down. Speak up. Okay, let's talk about these for a second. Head down refers to Daniel's daily faithfulness and your opportunity to be faithful in whatever it is you're doing. I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase, I'm just going to put my head down and get some work done, but I use that all the time. If, you know, there's a lot of things going on, sometimes you just need to focus on one thing, keep your head down, and get it done. Do the work that needs to be done. That's where head down comes from. And this can be work, this can be schoolwork, this can be your job work, but it can be anything that you set yourself to doing. This can be sports, this can be the work you do in an office or in your home. This could be the work of raising kids. This could be a trade that you do, something that you make or craft or build. This can be a business that you run, a hobby that you enjoy, volunteering, ministry. I could make this list go much longer, but I think you get the idea. Anything that you do, you put your head down and you do it well. And you honor God by the excellence of your work. I'm going to ask you to do something now that I ask my daughter almost daily not to do. Uh, if you have a pen, I want you to take it out, and I want you to write on your skin. <laughs> Leah's not allowed to do this, but you guys are. Take a pen. Somebody throw me a pen, because I don't have one up here. Boom, good throw. Ooh, nice. No, it's gone. I need another one. But, okay, that was good. I caught it that time. Take a pen, and on your hand, I want you to write this. C, like the letter C. Three, two, three. C, three, two, three. Got it? This is a code that I will decipher with you momentarily. Uh, the C stands for Colossians, the only book in the Bible that starts with C. Colossians 3.23. This is a verse that maybe you'll look at your hand and remember later. It says this. Oop. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. I should give you your pen back too. Boom. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as though you're working for the Lord and not for people. Have you heard this verse before? This goes with Daniel. This goes with daily faithfulness. This goes with head down. If you look at this passage in context you'll actually see that this was written to slaves, people who were servants in somebody's household, people like Daniel who may have been taken from their homes and said, this is what you're going to do now. 
And you might expect the person writing this letter to say, like, slavery's bad, slavery's wrong, get rid of it, run away, do what you need to do. And this comes up in other places in Scripture, too. That's what we would hope that they would say. But instead, you get this surprising advice. Wherever you find yourself, be faithful. Do the work that you are called to do faithfully with all of your heart. Wait a minute. Does that mean that the Bible condones slavery? No, it does not. It doesn't mean both things. It's one of those zip-tie verses where it's, it's one thing, one direction, but it doesn't work the, the other direction. Anyway, uh, being faithful in whatever situation you find yourself in is the call here. Daniel was in a less than favorable situation, and he distinguished himself by being faithful. The same goes for us. You can find yourself in a situation that you didn't ask for, or one that you may not choose if you had all the choices, or maybe just one that you don't prefer. But the call here is to be faithful. There's an opportunity to honor Christ, to honor the Lord in the good work that you do in these situations. Do you see your daily situation as an opportunity to serve the Lord? Do you see the, the work that you do for your school or for your, your, your business, your company, your household? Is that a mission field? According to this, it can be. It's an opportunity to honor God by being faithful in the work that you do. And maybe if you started to see things this way, it could change your attitude about the concept of work or chores or have to do whatever it is that you have to do. Uh, it's an opportunity there. You are working for the Lord and not for human masters. Instead of seeing this as an obstacle just to get past as quickly as possible, maybe they are opportunities for God to shine through you um, like he does in Daniel. So that's what head down is about. Let's see it one more time. Head down. And what was the second thing? I already forgot. Speak up. You didn't forget. That is good. Head down goes with speak up. The question here is, do you represent the Lord when the opportunity arises? Do you speak up for God? Daniel in this situation had a very clear choice to make. Pray to Darius. Worship and honor Darius as though he is God. Or worship Yahweh. And Daniel faces some really dire consequences if he chooses to go the direction that people are pressuring him to go. And in this moment, in this opportunity, what did Daniel do? He spoke up. He honored the God of Israel. And you know how he was able to do this? It wasn't like a, you know, he could have gone the other direction. It was a kind of a coin toss thing. No. He had practiced faithfulness. The reason he was able to speak up is because he did head down. He was faithful up until this moment. And the passage that Ryan highlighted for us, and I'm going to bring up on the screen one more time, verse 10, Daniel, when he learned the decree, they basically said, don't pray to any other God. And he said, hmm, okay. I like to think that as soon as he heard this, he went and he prayed to God. Because that's just so punk rock. That's just so like, I'm not going to do this. In your face, guys. I like that kind of attitude when it's for the Lord. Uh, <laughs> when he learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And what does the last part say? Just as he had done before. He had always done this. This is what he did. He, in his head down moments, he wasn't just head down as an administrator. He was head down in his prayer life as well. His faithfulness paid off in this moment where everybody looked to him and said, Daniel, what are you going to do? And what did he do? He spoke up. He was faithful to God in these testable moments. Daniel was very clear about what he was going to do and what he was not going to do. And that's a good word for us as well. We need to be clear as followers of Christ 
what that means for us, what that, the path that that sends us down, and then also the paths that we should not go down because of our faithfulness and our commitment to following Jesus. It might mean doing some things that other people haven't thought of doing. It might mean not doing some things that other people are really excited about doing. And that can be a challenge for us. I wear this ring on my finger, not because I'm all into jewelry and trying to be fancy up here. This is, this is my wedding ring. I put this on when Lisa and I got married uh, almost 15 years ago, and pretty much every day it's been on my hand. It's a daily reminder of a commitment that I made to Lisa. This is my, and some of you have these as well. You're familiar with the concept of a wedding ring, right? <laughs> I look at this and I go, okay, this means I'm going to do certain things, but this also means I'm going to not do certain things. Among the things that I'm not going to do because of the commitment that I made to Lisa are spending large amounts of money. Oh, that looks awesome. I've got money in the bank. Let's buy it. Hey, do that before you get married. Don't do that after <laughs> you get married. Uh, <laughs> we make those kinds of decisions together. My commitment from Lisa keeps me from doing that, even though I might want to do that. Another thing that I intentionally don't do is flirt with other women. I don't get emotionally involved or try to seek emotional intimacy from other women. Why? Because of this. Because of the commitment that I made to Lisa and being faithful to her. Why am I talking about this? In the same way, your baptism is this reminder for you. It's a commitment that you made to following Christ. And you may find yourself in a situation where you go like, okay, I don't do that. Or, okay, here's an opportunity, I do that because I'm a follower of Christ. It is this commission that you have given to yourself, being faithful to the commitment you have made for Christ. You may find yourself in a situation where others are, are laughing about something or saying things that are, are funny or mean or just something that just kind of feels good in the moment and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, I made a commitment to following Christ and that means loving God, loving neighbor, honoring God with my daily decisions. And so I may have to speak up and say, I actually don't think that's funny. I just think that's mean and thoughtless. Maybe we're not going to say that today. Kind of a scary thought. There can be times when cultural or political views are going to clash with the commitment that you made to following Jesus. Jesus calls us to love our enemies, to love strangers, to love foreigners. You may have a moment where you go, ah, I made a commitment to Christ. That means I love my neighbor. That means I take care of the stranger. That means even if it's an inconvenience to me, I'm going to serve. I'm going to be the Good Samaritan. And that's a little bit daunting, right? We know that, but we don't always do it, and we let ourselves off the hook. Doing this might make you stand out when all you want to do is blend in, and I know that's the scariest thing in the world for some of us. Doing this might make you uncomfortable. It might make the room a little bit awkward. It's going to take courage in order to actually live this out. And I acknowledge this. This is true. It may be hard. It may be scary. It may cause some discomfort. But there's a reason that the conference this year is called Fearless. It's going to take some courage. If it didn't, we would have called the conference Do Whatever's Easiest, West Coast Girls Conference 2019. But that's not the theme. The theme is fearless, and that's what we are trying to do. And how are we going to do that? And? Hey, do the hand motions with me one more time. Head down. Speak up. 
Here's the thing. I mentioned that these two things go together. You can't really do one without the other. Head down without speaking up. That could be workaholism. That could be assimilating to cultural values. That could be becoming a Babylonian. That could result in you forgetting about your God and waking up one day and realizing, my values don't come from, from the, the, the Lord at all. They come from what everybody else is doing. They come from doing whatever's easiest. The speak up moments are important. But speaking up without the head down part could discredit your witness. People may not listen to you in those moments. If you find that you are outspoken for Christ and your relationship with the Lord, but you have a reputation of being corrupt or unreliable or untrustworthy or negligent or just obnoxious, people might not listen to you. So they go together. Head down, speak up. Came across a cool example of the two of these things working together. Uh, and in the form of an acceptance speech that was made by Jurassic Park actor, what's his name, Chris Pratt? Brittany knows. Uh, he was given an award by the MTV and Movie Awards, the Generation Award, which is funny because I think he's my age and they're like, you're this lifelong of good films and things like that. But Chris Pratt is also a Christian and he used this opportunity, this speech that he was given on their network in front of millions of people watching. Kind of had this cool moment where he represented Christ. I'm going to show you some of this acceptance speech. I, I edited some of the middle of it just because it's kind of long. Um, but pay attention to the words that he uses. Some of it is humorous and just, and just funny, but then he stands up for Christ in a cool way. I want you to check this out. Uh, make sure channel 13 is good to go. Take a look here. being the generation award, I'm going, to, I'm going to cut to the chase and I'm going to speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder, so listen up. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, generation award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are going to tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be. But there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. So how about you? When you have a moment, when people are listening, what are you going to say? What are you going to do to speak up? Will you be ready? Will you have been in training the way that Daniel was. Does it come easy? Uh, Daniel was faithful in the pivotal moments where he was forced to decide between comfort and faithfulness. 
And he was able to choose faithfulness because he practiced faithfulness in his life, in his work, in his prayer, in his relationship with the Lord. You guys may have talked about this earlier in the conference at some point during this weekend, but um, Daniel's name means God is my judge. But when he went to Babylon, they changed his name to Belteshazzar, which is a lot harder to spell and harder to remember. Uh, Belteshazzar has a meaning as well. It means Bel, protect the king. Bel is the word for, for just the, the deity of the day. In Babylon, it was Marduk. It was basically like, Marduk, our god, will protect the king. That's your new name. That's what you're going to be known by. They didn't call him Daniel. But it's cool today that we still call him Daniel. We remember him as Daniel. He knew himself, even in Babylon, as Daniel. God is my judge. God is the one who refines me and who determines my fate. Not you guys. Not Marduk. Not, I'm not Bel Shazar. And it's cool that in our Bibles we have a book called Daniel. God is my judge because of his faithfulness. There's no book of Belteshazzar in the Bible, and that says something. If you are a Christian, then you bear the name of somebody who, like Daniel, was condemned to death, who was thrown into a pit that was sealed with a rock, but who came out alive by the power of God. He was able to endure this because he trusted in God. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you represent Christ in the head-down work that you do and also in the speak-up moments that come your way. We saw how much time it took Daniel to get to this place, saw how faithfully he was invested, and I think that that's what it's going to take for us as well. I really wish I could get up here today and say, boom, here's what you got to do, go and do it. But the truth is, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes faithfulness. Uh, no shortcuts, no easy answers. But here's the good news. I don't want to bum you out and end on that note. As I think about preaching, uh, I preach a lot, and this is a sermon. Uh, some sermons kind of go like this. There's, there's new information, and you hear this, and you go like, wow, that's awesome, or like, praise God, that's really cool insight, and you walk away thinking, that was pretty cool. Some sermons are more like, uh, old information that's presented in a new way, and you have this new understanding of something, and you walk away excited about that too, like, oh, that's really cool, that's great. I don't feel like this sermon is either of those things. Some sermons is old information that you already know that you're just not doing. <laughs> and you don't walk away going, cool, let's do it! You walk away going like, yeah, okay, okay. I think those are the sermons that speak a lesson about faithfulness, about marathon efforts and not sprints. But I told you there was good news, so here's the good news. The cool thing about the West Coast Girls Conference is that it's a great time to buddy up with somebody. Some of the reasons we do uh, the things that we do, like energizers and lip syncs and just, just fun time to connect with people, is that you might get closer to somebody uh, who's from where you're from, that you traveled here uh, with to get here. Or maybe you connect with somebody that you don't know that you can stay in touch with as you leave. I really encourage you to do this. For all our Tri-Valley folks who weren't here this weekend, you can buddy up too. You know, there's new, new seating arrangements. This could be an opportunity to, to discover a new buddy. Uh, I think the buddy system is very important in following Christ because of the nature uh, of endurance that's required. 
It is, it's a long game. I want to encourage you to do that. I want to end by saying this. My buddy Matt Dabbs, he says that there are 4,380,000 steps to following Christ. So get a pencil, because I'm going <laughs> to tell you all the steps now. Uh, well, he says this. 4,000 steps a day is about two miles, 365 days a year. The disciples followed Jesus for three years. So 4,000 times 365 times 3, 4,380,000. If the disciples walked 4,380,000 steps with Jesus, and it was probably more than that, then we learn immediately that there's no five-step plan to becoming a disciple of Jesus. There is a 4,380,000-step plan for becoming a disciple of Jesus. It is going to take every day, every step, several years to see the growth that Jesus can teach you. And it all starts with a single step. I want to encourage you this morning to take that step. If I can help you take that step, if I can help you buddy up with somebody, if I can be an encourager to you, uh, if you need prayers for something that's going on in your life, come and talk to me. Come and talk to Lisa, Robin, Sarah, Brittany, Alana, anybody uh, that you've come into contact with this weekend. But let me pray for you guys, and then we'll worship together. Lord, I thank you for this story, this example of faithfulness. We thank you for Christ, who is even more faithful than Daniel. He was the perfect Daniel. He went to the cross because he trusted in you. He lived his life the way that he did because he trusted in you. God, I pray this morning that we can have that trust in you as well that we can walk in step with Jesus. Lord, it's easy at weekends like the girls' conference or on Sunday mornings when you're sitting in church to be reminded of this faithfulness, to be inspired and want to have this faithfulness. It's a lot harder on Monday. It's a lot harder on Saturday. It's a lot harder when we're not supported by people who believe the same things that we believe. God, it is hard when we find ourselves in Babylon, and it's so easy to just conform. It's so easy to give in. It's so easy to quit. So we ask that you give us strength, that you give us endurance, that you give us your spirit to be faithful in all situations. I pray that everybody who is hearing this now will have a healthy balance between their head down work and their speak up moments. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the example that we have in him. May we never forget it. May we always keep our eyes on him. I pray this in his name. Amen.